we're in week three of our sermon series. It's called Rhythms. And we started the last three years with this sermon series because we believe rhythms or habits form us in the people we desire to become. So the question is, who do you want to become this year? Therefore, what habits do you actually inhabit or employ to become that person? And we're using the word rhythms, it's a catch-all term, and it refers to our calendars, our habits, what we do, our practices in our daily lives. And these exist to help God's people actually take our formation seriously, to see it as a vital part of our discipleship. Before I get into the message today, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you for your word, for Lord, your word is truth and it is powerful and is active, God, I thank you that you speak to us through your word. Lord, I just pray that you would help me preach your word with truth and grace and with love. So, Lord, in the end, they wouldn't look to me, but only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was working on the wharves. I was a crane driver, so I'd drive machinery all day, cranes and forklifts and whatnot. So I'd have eight hours of just like listening to music or doing whatever I wanted while I drove the machinery. So I thought, I'd become a Christian. I should like read the Bible. And I thought, well, I can't read while I'm driving, so I'll get an audio Bible. So I downloaded an audio Bible and I started listening. And I thought, well, it's a book, right? So what do you do? You start at the start. So I started in Genesis. Probably not a great idea when you're a new Christian. I would suggest you start maybe in the New Testament, start learning about Jesus. But I went to the beginning. And in the beginning, you start reading through the Old Testament and there's like talking snakes and talking donkeys. There's like giants walking around the the earth at that time. God's saying to Abraham, sacrifice your son. And I'm like, what the? Why would you make him do that? That's a little bit whacked. I didn't understand what was going on there. There's like murder and rape and there's sacrifice. There's all these crazy things going on. And then you get into the prophets and the Psalms, and I'm like, who are they talking about? Are they talking about Israel? Are they talking about me? Are they talking about the future? Are they talking about Jesus? What is going on here? But then you get to the New Testament, and it all starts to make a little bit more sense, like you hear about the life of Jesus. And it's like, oh, okay, I can come along with this, I can understand this. But then Jesus starts talking in parables about sowing seeds and stuff. I'm like, what's he talking about? I go to Coles to get my bread. I don't sow seeds, I don't have to do any of that sort of stuff. And then we get into the letters of the New Testament after the Gospels. And that makes sense. It's like Paul and the other apostles speaking to the early church going, hey guys, you're not doing this right. We should be caring and loving each other, not sinning and doing the wrong thing. But then all the weirdness comes back when you get the revelation, right? And there's like dragons with 10 heads and stuff's coming out of the scene. I'm like, what is going on? But awesome at the end, it's good, but we win, right? At the end, I understood that, that that Jesus wins and we all spend eternity with him. Quite confusing. Has anyone else found reading the Bible confusing and hard to understand? Great. There's only about four or five. That's awesome. Who wants to come up and preach? <laughs> like, even though it was hard and confusing, I just made it a rhythm. I just made it a habit each day to either read or listen to the Bible. And what happened was it all started to make sense. I started putting all these pieces together. And what it did was it started to change me from within. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus... We actually know that spiritual habits or practices will form you into who you want to become. And and we as a church, we want to see more people more like Jesus. That's actually our mission statement as a church. You'll see it in in the foyer. We want to see more people more like Jesus. And the way that we do that, the way that we grow in our faith and our likeness of Christ, 
is through practical rhythms or these spiritual disciplines that we employ in our lives. We all know that habits form us, right? Like if I get up every morning and I have a habit of exercising for an hour, then I'll get fit. There's this real tangible benefit from my rhythm of exercise. Therefore, this will shape me in who I'm becoming, which in this case would be fitter and healthier. But there's a flip side to that coin as well. What if I had a rhythm of getting up every morning and going to the local all-you-can-eat buffet breakfast? That would give a different result, right? It would produce a totally different outcome to exercise. And I know you're sitting there going, we know what you do, Scott. True. I hate exercise passionately. But as professing Christians, the question is, what rhythms have you got in place to become more like Jesus? And if the answer is, I don't really have any, then there's a real issue. Because my question is, how are you going to grow in faith? How are you going to become more like Jesus? Because let me tell you, we are actually formed by what we do. We're formed by what you put your time into. And if you actually have no time for spiritual uh, rhythms, you'll wonder why you feel like you're not growing in your faith and you're not growing in your relationship with God. No wonder God would feel distant from you. So the title of today's message is Rhythms of Hearing and Obeying. You see, we believe that we have a rhythm if we set aside a regular time to hear the Word of God and to obey the Word of God, that this rhythm, it will supercharge your growth in faith. I love Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, the primary way that we know God and hear God's voice is through His Word. It's actually through the Bible. God has in his word, his interactions with humanity from the beginning of time and we see in Revelations to the end of time. If you want to hear God's voice, here is God's voice speaking to you and he wants to speak to you. And I would say of all the rhythms that we could adopt on our discipleship journey of faith to become more like Jesus, this would be one of the most important ones. You might say to me, Scott, well, what about prayer? Yes, prayer is really important. But how do you know who you're praying to without knowing the Word of God? How do you know if you're praying in line with the will of God unless you know the Word of God, unless you know God's will? And you know what? I actually believe that Jesus taught the same. Because of all the spiritual disciplines that Jesus spoke about, hearing the Word and obeying the world was his most preached message. In Luke 6, we have this teaching of Jesus called the Beatitudes. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's this beautiful teaching where Jesus sits down and goes, hey, you've heard this, an eye for an eye, but I say love your enemies. I say do good to those that hate you. I say turn the other cheek, and he gives us this beautiful ethics that comes straight from the kingdom of heaven. And ethicists say that it's the most comprehensive, morally complete, and pure teaching in the history of mankind, which many of our modern-day ethics is actually based on. But here's the interesting thing. At the end of that amazing teaching, Jesus says these words. And he's actually talking, the context is he's talking to his disciples and those that are hearing. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, yet you don't do what I say? And he continues, he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Then when a flood came, The torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus looking out at his disciples saying, you call me Lord. Why aren't you doing what I say? And Jesus could be looking out at us today and saying, you call yourself a Christian, a follower of me. My question is, why do you not do what I say? And I love he gives this example, this parable. He says, whoever hears my words and just walks away and says, that's a good teaching. No, he says, whoever hears my words and is obedient to it and puts them into practice, they're like someone who builds a house on a solid rock. You know what the rock is? It's Christ and his word. When we build our faith on Christ, revealed to us through his word, when we build our faith on what he has revealed to us through the Bible, we are building on a solid rock that cannot be shaken. It cannot be moved. I love how Jesus gives this example. He says, the storm's coming. The flood's coming. He says, it's coming on you, and it's coming on those that don't believe in me. Like, we all suffer, right? We all suffer pain and hurt and death and loss and grief and anxiety and fear. We're not free from that. We experience that as Christians. We said, do you know what? Do you want to be solid in that storm? Do you want to be able to endure those issues and still stand firm? You stand on me. You stand on my word. Because if you hear my words and don't obey them, when the storm comes, it's going to destroy you. So the question is, do you know the word of God? Because how can we possibly obey if we don't know what the Bible says or what Jesus actually taught? Well, let me ask the question even simpler. Do you have a regular rhythm of reading the Bible? Because the witness of the church for the past 2,000 years has been the Bible has the power to transform lives into the likeness of Christ. David Livingstone says, All that I am, I owe to Jesus, revealed to me in his divine book. David's like, you know what? All that I am, I owe it to Christ. I owe it to Jesus, his formation of me is all due to his love and his grace, and that's revealed to me in his word. I find him in here. I find his unfailing love and his unfailing grace right here in his word, and that's what forms me. But I know as I speak, there are all these objections rising up in your heart right now. I know because they rise up in my heart. First one is it's too hard to understand. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard. When you first start out, it's very difficult to understand. But the more time you put into it, the more you get out of it, the more you start making these connections in and through the Old Testament to the New Testament and how it reveals Christ. You know, it's like the first time you watch a new sport. You have no idea what's going on. My son plays basketball and he's really good at it. So we've been watching the NBA. We've been watching the American um, basketballers. They're amazing. At first I started watching, I'm like, what's going on there? How come the ref blew the whistle? How come he gets two shots, but last time he got three shots? How, what is going, I had no idea what was going on. But the more I watched, the more I learned. The more I put time into it with Byron watching this thing, the more I learned, I put the pieces together. Now I can watch it, I know what's going on. And it's like that, we need to spend time. It might be hard to understand the more time we put into it, the more we'll actually get out of it. Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book 40 years ago titled Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's the Christian faith. It's just this long obedience in the same direction, pursuing Christ. And as we pursue Christ, we become more like him because we see more of his beauty each and every day. 
The next objection is, I've just got no time. You have a family, or I'm at work, or I'm at uni, or I'm at school. I've just got too many responsibilities in life. I just haven't got time to read the Bible. Can I say this with all love, genuine love? We all know it's untrue. We all know we have time for what's important in our lives. Like if I was to follow you around for the week, how many hours do you spend on Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, reading the paper, surfing in my case? If I spend hours and hours doing that stuff, but I, say, I, but I just don't have time for Jesus, the reality is we, we make time for what's important in our lives. We do. So the question is, is this important to you? Is Christ important to you? The next one is, it's not relevant for me now in 2023. Like the Bible is this old dusty book with these old morals and stuff. We've evolved. We're way smarter than this. We know more than this. This can't possibly apply to my life. Well, Ecclesiastes says in 1.9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. We may have more technology. We may have better cars. We may have computers, but there's nothing new under the sun. We still hate. We still go to war. We still hurt each other. There's still greed. There's still suffering. There's still pain. The human heart, the condition of the human heart has not changed from the beginning of time. We have this issue, and the issue is sin. And you can understand that you feel it's outdated, but the Bible is relevant, and I'm going to show you later how we can actually apply it to our lives today. The last one is it's too confronting. You know, when I read the Bible, it's confronting. When I read this, I'm like, oh, I should be more loving. Oh, I should be more generous. Oh, I should care more. I should be more sacrificial. And, and, and I hold this up as a mirror, and I see how ugly I am. Do we know that's actually a good thing? That Jesus says, if you desire to come after me, you must deny yourself daily and take up your cross and follow me. And there's actually power in that. When we look into the perfect word of God and go, oh, that's how I'm meant to live. When I live in love and grace, I actually live in a better place. I have way more peace. Yes, the Bible's confronting. But this is what God does. He says, I want to show you my love. John Stott says it this way, we must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. I love how he says thought and behavior, because often we can read this and be convicted and go, wow, I should be more like that, but let me just leave that there and go about my day and not actually change our behavior to what we have revealed to in the Bible. So how can we say we're Christians if we don't know the word of God? Will follow the word. Here's the truth. We will sacrifice time and effort for that which is important to us, for that which we desire to become. And we all know that, that something like becoming a basketballer or a doctor takes time and dedication and effort and hard work, right? You can't just become a doctor. I can't go, hey, everyone, I'm a doctor. No, I've got to study. It takes time for that. The question is then, how much time do you put into seeking God? How much time do you put into growing in faith? How much effort do you put into living out your faith, being obedient? And how dedicated are you to become more like Jesus? You see, in John 14, 23, Jesus says these powerful words. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. I love it how he actually says, if you love me, you will obey me. He doesn't say, if you love me, you must obey me. He actually says, if you love me, you will obey me. It'll be a fruit of our relationship. You'll actually desire my ways. You'll actually desire my words. And you'll actually desire to put them into practice. If you genuinely love me, you will obey me. But here's the thing. If you don't love me, you just won't. And the promise is that the Father will love you and they'll make their home in you. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That God will write his laws on our heart. He'll take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. That we would actually desire to follow him. That we actually get help in this. It's not just human effort. James puts it another way, the brother of Jesus. He says, don't be hearers of the word. Don't be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. I love how he says that. He goes, hey, be doers of the word, not just hearers. Because if you're just a hearer and you walk away and you don't do it, you're actually deceiving yourself. It's saying what Jesus said, just in another roundabout way. So if we're walking out and we just don't follow Jesus, the question is, am I a Christian? Am I really a follower of Jesus Christ? So now that we've established that this rhythm is super important and that Jesus actually challenges us to hear and obey, I want to help us practically to read the Bible and obey it by putting what we learn into practice. Therefore, I want to do something different today. I want to walk through a story in the Gospel of Luke, and I want to teach you a simple method to read, hear the Word of God, and to obey it, put it into practical steps. And the way that we do it, there's a method called, it's a simple Bible method by Bible reading. It's called the DBM. It's Discovery Bible Method. Now, Discovery Bible Method is, is a really good method of these simple questions that you can ask yourself as you're reading Scripture to help you hear it and obey it. It's really good. DBM's awesome for if you're just doing it personally on your own. You can read the Bible, use this structure, and then put it into practice. You can do it, use it in a discipleship relationship if you're discipling someone. You can say, hey, we're going to use DBM each week we catch up. And you'll understand why that's so powerful in a moment. But then you could use it in a small group. David would hate me saying this. He leads our small groups. You don't have to prepare anything for small group. You could literally pick a story and use these questions and run a really powerful small group. So I'm going to run you through these questions because DBM is awesome because you need to dig into the Word to solidify your faith. Like when someone challenges you on your faith, you go, well, well, my pastor Scott says, or pastor David says this. But you're not owning that. We need to dig into the word ourselves and go, what does God say? What do I believe? And so the questions that we go to, what we do is we first we read the scripture. So pick a story of Jesus when he's um, engaging with humanity or with anyone. You just read the scripture first. And then you've got to put it in your own words. You, you read it, shut the Bible. And then put that story into your own words. You go, why would I do that? To be able to explain Bible stories is really helpful when you want to evangelize, when you want to talk to other people about the relevancy of the Bible. I might have someone come to me and they're like, I'm struggling with this. And I go, you know what? There's this um, story in the Bible where someone's really struggling with the same thing. And this is what happens. Jesus comes along, comes alongside them, lifts them up, tells them it's okay. So once we learn how to, to read the word, but then actually bring it back in story, it doesn't have to be word for word. It's just like paraphrasing, going, 
I can help you with a story from the Bible. Then what you do after you've done that, you open the Bible up again, and before we start to read again, you pray. You say, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me understand this. I want you to reveal truth to me. I want you to highlight something in this scripture that's personally for me. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each and every one of us, and he speaks to us differently. Whoever's read the same verse and got something totally different out of it. Like you read the Bible, and it's like, that's powerful. The next time you read it, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that last time. The reason why that is because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, and he wants to say, Scott, I want you to see this right now, because you need to correct this in your life. You really need to do something about that. And next time I read it, he's like, actually, I want you to see this. I want you to see my grace and my love, because I actually love you. And so we stop and we say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Highlight something in the text that you want me to see. And then we go through some simple questions like, what does it say about the character of humanity or the character and nature of humanity? God's always interacting. The whole Bible is God interacting with humanity. And so when we focus on how are the humans acting right now? Are they acting prideful? Are they acting selfish? Oh, look, I see in this story they're acting selfishly. And I ponder, I go, maybe, where am I acting selfishly? Am I coming home in the evening and just sitting down and doing nothing? My mobile wife works. Maybe I should get up and vacuum. That's not going to happen. Do not take notes on that. But we go, look at how humanity is acting. Am I acting that way? Is there something, God, you want to speak to me about in my life? And then we look at the character and nature of God. This next question, what does this text reveal about the character and the nature of God, who God is? Because if we want to come more like Jesus, we've got to know who he is. How does he relate to these people in the Bible, in this story? How does he relate to me? Is he God of love, of mercy, or is he God who who hates sin and wants us to walk in righteousness, but he gives us grace to do that? Next one is, how can I put this into practice this week? What I've learned in this text, how can I put into practice? And that might be this week I'm going to do more at home. It might be this week I'm going to go up to my coworker and tell him how much I appreciate them. This week it might be, you know what, I always walk past these people and I know they need help. I'm going to help them. Because this is what I got out of the text this week. And then you can tell someone. Again, this is like when you put the story into your own words. Tell a friend, a family member, your spouse, someone from school. Go, hey, I was reading the Bible this morning and this is what I learned. This is what I'm like. I'm a bit like that. I can gossip a lot. But also learned that God's a God of grace, that he's going to, going to give me the strength not to do that. How cool is that? Again, it's a form of evangelism. It's a form of going, God's word actually applies to us today. The last one is, if you're doing it by yourself, keep yourself accountable. If you say, look, I'm going to try and not gossip this week, keep yourself accountable. Or tell someone. So I might say, David, I don't want to gossip this week. Do can you, can you look after me and keep me accountable? And David's like, cool. Whenever you gossip, I'm going to pull you up. I'm like, great. I'd love you to do that for me. I did a discipleship <clears throat> program with a lot of the staff when I was at Rabina as a pastor there, and the guy running it was um, each week would say, this is what I want you to do, and we'll come back next week and we'll find out how you went. So we came back next week, he never asked. Next week he said, I want you to do this. We came back next week, he never asked. And I worked out after the first couple of weeks, he ain't asking. Like, he's not following up. He's not keeping us accountable. I don't have to do this. I'm super busy. I've got so much on. It's going to take time. So I wasn't doing it, and I got convicted in the heart, and I'm like, ah, this isn't good. So I said to the guy running, I'm like, dude, like if you ask us to do something, can you keep us accountable? Can you actually the next week go, did you do it? Because I know if you don't ask me, I'm not going to do it probably. So having someone keeping you accountable is really powerful. 
to actually live this out. All right, everyone good with that? So we're actually going to go through the text right now. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open up to Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. And we're going to run through each of these, and we're going to have a microphone. And I'm going to send it out. And so you've got to actively do this with me, and I'm going to ask you, what is God revealing? What does it say about the character and nature of God? What does it say about humanity? And you're going to answer it. Because I want us to learn together as we read the scripture that God wants to speak to each and every one of us. So if you, got a, if you need a Bible, put your hand up and one of the team will bring you one. There's a couple down here. Um, if you can read on the screen, you'll see it behind me on the slide. If you can read that, um, you, you might not need a Bible if you can read that. But first off, keep your hand up if you need a Bible. Just there. <clears throat> Follow on your phone. Now, if you like to hear, if you learn better that way, or you want to follow along with me, follow along with me. So it's Luke chapter 5, 17 to 26. I'm going to read it and just listen to the words. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them all, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. Here's a beautiful story of God, Jesus Christ, interacting with humanity. There is so much we can learn from this. We could read this and just go, nice story. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not paralyzed. But if we actually dig into it, we'll see there's plenty that can apply to us. So the first question is, you got to tell the story in your own words. All right? I might just pick someone. Look at all your faces. You're like, don't pick me. Don't look at him. Look down, look down. But I'm going to pick David. I'm going to throw him under the bus. So I'll give you all a pass, but I'll be coming to this for the other question. So David, put in your own words. Don't read it. I know you can see it on the back screen. (laughs) One day, Jesus... No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) um, So Jesus was teaching... Um, he'd gone to a village, he'd gone into a house, he was teaching, and a collection of people came, and people were so uh, stunned by his teaching and the move of God on his um, ministry that they crowded around the house and filled it up, and a bunch of people who had heard this were coming to Jesus, and as they were going, they encountered a, a disabled, a paralyzed person, and they somehow made friends or whatever, and decided that Jesus could be the person who heals this person today. And, and so uh, they go to bring him to Jesus and find that the crowds were filling up every door. 
every window, and they thought, okay, how are we going to bring this to him? And so they make the audacious decision to climb up the side of a building, uh, get to a roof, dig a hole, lower the person through that hole. Um, very rude. But <laughs> they um, lower him in. And when Jesus sees this, Jesus says, um, he looks at them and says, because of the faith with which you've had, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees in the room who kind of, you know, were standing there, they knew that this is probably not the way Jesus should have acted, you know, if he was just a person and they started judging him. Who are you, you know, to forgive sins? And, and Jesus being aware of this because he knew all things, responded and replied, which is easier to forgive sins or to heal a person. But nevertheless, they made it clear and heals the person immediately and, and leads the person to get up and carry the mat that for his whole life had carried him uh, out of the place. And so he left both forgiven and healed and everybody was stunned and it was remarkable. Awesome. Well done, David. Can we give him a clap? He should probably just do his own Bible translation. That was, that was a good job, mate. So that's one way that you can go, when David's talking to someone, and they're saying, oh, I just don't feel like I can get to Jesus. David could go, well, there's a story in the Bible about that. Are you willing to break through the roof? Or are you going, oh, I just don't have time, therefore, or are we willing to actually make time? And so he can share that story as an example. All right, so now what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And as I pray, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and highlight something in the Scripture for you that maybe he wants to speak to you about. And then after that, we're going to go and I'm going to ask a few of you to put your hand up and share that. So as I pray, just pray with me and ask God to reveal himself to you through the Scripture. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come right now. Lord, would you open up our eyes to your word? Would you give us a supernatural wisdom and understanding? Would you highlight something in here, Lord, that you want to speak to each and every one of us here individually in this moment of time? You know what they're going through. You know what they need, Lord. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so now just read the text. And whatever pops out, it might be something I've never seen that before, or that's cool, or it might bring a question. A question is good, because a question is maybe God wants you to, to seek something, wants you to understand something, and so questions are fine too. So just read the text and see what sticks out to you. All right, some of you are speed readers, and you're like, I finished five minutes ago. Some of you are like, I'm still going, like me. All right, who's bold enough to put up their hand? David's got a microphone and just share something that the Holy Spirit highlighted. Let's just make it 20 seconds. Like, this is it, and this is what I felt it for me, so we can get through some. One over here, David. And when Jesus said that your sins are forgiven and um, to, to uh, take up your bed and walk, he, he revealed that, First get right with Jesus and then walk with him. Yeah, great. That's so good. Yeah, the healing of the soul was first there, wasn't it? That redemption of the soul. David? Um, it's, I think it's really interesting. So um, I've always read this like it was a crowd of general people, but it's actually Pharisees and teachers of the law. Mm. Yep. And um, so, you know, I was thinking about that, how hard sometimes it is that we think we don't have the knowledge or the opportunity to break through because we're not Pharisees or teachers. Yeah. 
And But the men that came, they were just common people, which is what I'm presuming yep. it, through the scripture. So we can – you can't just leave it to the Pharisees and teachers of the law to feed you because they got it wrong. Yep. And Very so good. it's actually your responsibility to – Seek out God mm. and break through for your own revelation and your own um, understanding of who Jesus is. Yeah, I love your first point. The first point was great. Like, this is what we're talking about today, right? Like, I can feed you, but what's that saying? Teach a man, or give a man a fish, or you can teach a man to fish. Like, you can give a man a fish and he'll be, like, not hungry that day. If you teach him to fish, he'll never be hungry. And so what we want to do as disciples, we want to learn how to read the Word of God, to get into His Word ourselves, feed ourselves that we may grow, that we wouldn't be hungry. That's awesome. So good. The next question is, what does it say about humanity? Now, God is interacting with humanity. God's been interacting with humanity right in the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's God interacting with humanity to show His grace. So what does it say about us? In this story, what can you pull out of this that, that is about humanity or who we are as human beings. Anyone want to put their hand up? There we go. One down there, David. Um, I think I sort of see the guy on the mat. He sort of, he couldn't have got to Jesus on his own. Um, so good. And so we need to be there for each other. You know, these men lifted him up and took him to Jesus. Sometimes we're the person on the mat and we can't get yeah. up sometimes. So we got to be there for like our brothers and sisters, our friends, people that we, we don't know, you know, to Beautiful. get to Jesus. So good. So good. That's great. So like we could be the person carrying the mat, right? We could be a friend that's there when someone's hurting or when they're unable to do things for themselves. But your, your next point was awesome. Sometimes we need to humble, be humble enough to ask for help. And maybe God's speaking to some of us in the room today saying, you need help. I've put you in this place for that very reason. Just ask. There are people here that want to serve you and love you. That's awesome. Very good. So the next question is, what does it reveal about the character and nature of God? Do you want to answer that? Um, what it revealed, again, to me, that how much he loves us. Mm. And we'll never be alone. Yep. We're not alone. We might feel alone, but we've always got his Holy Spirit helping us through anything especially difficulties and if we're brave like that young fella said we can call on anybody and I've experienced that recently in the church myself my lovely home group ladies have been there for me Scott you did an awesome prayer for me when I was brave enough to say I'm not really doing that well at the moment so yeah, yeah it's beautiful it just reveals God's character right that he's put us in Christian community and his love's revealed in and through his people, not only through his word, it's in and through his people helping us out. And that, that he's always with us by the power of his Holy Spirit, that God is full of mercy and full of grace. Thank you so much for sharing that. So as we can see, there's ways that we can easily just read this and go, oh, it's about a paralytic man, got nothing to do with me. Or if we just stop for a moment, and just go, hang on a second, how does this apply? What's happening here? And so from this text today, whatever God spoke to you, Whatever you've learned from your brothers and sisters, and the small group analogy was awesome. We come together as small groups, not only what God speaks to us, but what does he speak to my friend who's in my small group? Maybe that speaks to me as well. The small group's an awesome way to dig into the text. What can I put into practice this week? Like from this text, what can I actually do? Who can I tell about that? 
Who's actually going to keep me accountable to live that out this week? So as we go today, as you go into the week, just make one. Don't make it crazy. Say, you know what? I'm probably going to reach out to my friend because I, need, I know they need some help this week. Maybe it's just something simple like that, sending someone a text. So as you can see, it's very easy to apply an ancient book, the New Testament written 2,000 years ago, to everything we're going through today. And quickly, I'll just go through my reflections on the text. The Holy Spirit highlight for me was the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was there. And he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And there's this revelation to me that that was the power. The power of God under salvation. That the greatest miracle that happened there was the healing of the soul. The healing of the body is awesome. But I love how Jesus leads with, you know what? I see I see eternal things. That if your soul is healed, if I redeem you and restore you and forgive you, you're going to spend eternity with me, free from pain and suffering and sin. Yes, you might be paralyzed here for a handful of years, but you're going to spend eternity with me. That's the greatest miracle. I love that the power of God was there to restore and redeem, and it didn't matter about his past. And what it tells about me about humanity, there's, there's people there both who believed and who didn't believe. You have the Pharisees that are like, blasphemy. Do you know what that means? That's like the highest form of blasphemy. It's the highest form of like, you are killed for that. You blaspheme God, you will be killed. And that's what they did. Jesus claimed to be God and that was blasphemy and that's why they murdered him on the cross. But what does that say about God? That he looks at this man. He says, I see the faith, your faith of your friends. I see your faith. Your sins are forgiven. This is a God of mercy and grace. He didn't go, tell me how your past has been. Tell me about all the sin you've done. He just looks at him and goes, son, your faith has saved you. This is why I've come. I've come to redeem the lost. I've come to forgive you of your sins. That's why I'm going to the cross, to sacrifice myself for you. I will feel the pain and the suffering that now has been driven from my hand because I love you. He looks him in the eye and says, you're forgiven. And I'm going to see you in paradise one day. It reveals to me the beauty and the wonder, the character and the nature of Jesus, which is the nature of God. It's beautiful. So how do I put this into practice this week? Well, people came to listen. People came and spent time. They had to take time out of their day to listen to Jesus. For me, how much time am I spending with Jesus? Am I willing to seek him? So much so that I would rip through a roof. Or am I just taking small excuses not to spend time with him? This week, I want to spend more time with Jesus. You know, tell someone what you've learned. I just told you, tick, done, don't have to do that one. You know, I can ask David and say, David, one of our pastors, keep me accountable. Ask me, am I spending extra time with Jesus this week? You see, it's very simple, but it's profoundly powerful to hear the word of God and actually apply it to your life. Church, I know from experience how powerful God's word is. It's transformed my life. It's given me a true life, a life to the full. The Bible's given me direction and purpose and peace and joy and hope. And above all, it's given me true love. It's revealed the truth to me. And Jesus says the truth will actually set you free. The Bible has revealed the character and nature of God to me, this God of love. And it's transforming me into the likeness of Jesus. If you read the word and obey, you'll be like a man who built a house on a solid foundation that when the storms come, You will not be shaken because it's founded on Him. It will not fall. Henry Blackaby says, If you know that God loves you, 
You should never question a directive from him. It will always be right and best. When he gives you a directive, you are not to observe it, discuss it, or debate it. You are to obey it. You see, the marker of a true Christian, a real follower of Jesus Christ, is someone who hears and obeys. And that's the truth. It's the confronting truth. That's the truth that actually can really change your life. Do you hear and obey today? Church, we need to hear the words of our Lord Jesus. In John 14, 23, does anyone who loves me will obey my teaching? Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, for your word is true. It is powerful, it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing to the soul and the spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that today was an example of your truth and your grace and your love, that you are willing and have been willing and desire relationship with us. Lord, I pray that you will light a fire in each and every soul here to seek you, to dive into your word, but not just dive in, Lord, and hear, but obey. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring conviction, but also bring power to walk in obedience and in truth that we may see life and life into the full. And in this moment of prayer, you might be sitting there and and this story today, when you were reading it, God was actually speaking to your heart saying, I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to redeem you and restore you. Forget about your past. I have you here for a reason. I want to give you a new life. You may never have received Christ as your personal Savior before. These hands extended today. So I want to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, I'd just love to pray for you. Put your faith into action. So if you'd just like to raise your hand right now, I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that there are people here that are committing for the first time and others that are recommitting to you, God. They're putting your faith, their faith and trust in you and what you did for them on the cross. Lord, I pray that you would forgive them of their sins that you would bless them with your Holy Spirit, that they know they are redeemed and restored by repenting of their sin and putting their faith and trust in you. God, I thank you that you are a God of love, of mercy and of grace revealed to us through your word. Lord, light a fire in our hearts that we would seek you every day of our life, that we may serve you for the good of the world. God, we love you. We praise you. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you would like to stand as we worship this beautiful God that we just learn about in his word.